Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Olivia, your host, and on this podcast, we will talk about everything related to the journey to conceive, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, parenthood, and beyond. This is a safe space where birth professionals, birthing people, expected parents, and partners can come on and share their knowledge or personal experiences with our listeners. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Healthy Balance Birth and Beyond podcast. Today, I have a very special guest of mine, my bestie, my twin. We'll explain more about that later, um, Kelsey. So Kelsey and I have been friends for, oh my gosh, how many even years is it now? It's like over 10 years. Yeah. Really. Um, so we met in college and we immediately just like clicked. And from there, it's just like we've been through everything together through college and weddings and babies and life and all of the ebbs and flows that come along with it. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, would you mind telling everybody a bit about you? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. I've probably listened to like all of your episodes. And (laughs) the other night at like two o'clock in the morning when I was feeding Maya, I was like, oh, I should go on. Yes. (laughs) I have my own journey that I want to share. Yeah. Yeah. So, like Liv said, we met in college. um, And yeah, we kind of just clicked. Um, We call each other twins because Facebook (laughs) would get us confused. We were tagging each other in photos. Which is so funny. Facebook literally, like, Kelsey would go to put pictures up, and it would be, like, Olivia Duffy. And she'd be like, yeah. no. And then I would go to put pictures up, and it'd be like, Kelsey. And I'd be yeah. like, no. And no. We kind of just ended up going with it anyway, because it just was funny. But it's so funny. Anyway, and then we realized also later down the road that we have so many similarities, like, with family and just everything so just, yeah we have like crazy similarities between like our personalities and like yeah. our personal lives there's just so many things that I feel like there were just so many things that you and I could just connect on connect about on like such a deep level compared to like other people you know I don't know it was just yeah. like it's just a different type of connection yeah it was it was deep from like the get-go I felt like yeah um so yeah, so I uh, just wanted to kind of jump on here and explain a little bit about my journey to conceive because it wasn't certainly wasn't an easy one, um, and it's definitely worth sharing with people. So um, I live in Jersey with my husband. Um, we've been together since high school. Um, we're high school sweethearts, so pff, don't even know how many years that's been, <laughs> but a really long time. Um, and we got married in 2016. Um, engaged on New Year's Eve Mm -hmm. of 2014 which was fun you were there so Uh, and then got married in West Orange and um we then shortly moved into our house um about a couple months after that um and have been living here ever since um I'm a local real estate agent so um very familiar with the real estate world Mm -hmm. um and yeah, that's kind of a little bit about my background, I guess. Um, so 
to jump into my IVF journey. So I had to go through, well, we had to go through IVF to conceive. Um, and we started that journey in January, January 6th of 2020. Um, so roughly a little bit over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and prior to that, you know, we had been trying to conceive for quite some time. Um, we, as, as I said, we were married in 2016, so right. we just had our baby a month ago. Um, and so obviously it's been quite some time. Um, so after multiple attempts of trying to get pregnant, um, and as many women know, constantly getting your period every month is quite you know, upsetting. Um, We both got tested um, to see if there was any issues with either one of us. And um, both times uh, for myself and my husband, nothing came back alarming. So it was two times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two times. Yeah. Um, My numbers were good. His numbers were good. We're like, okay, so let's just keep trying, (laughs) like see what happens. Um, and then it, it got to a point where we were both very, we were just distraught and upset and, um, it was just really tough. I mean, you were pregnant and then Megan got pregnant, like one of our other really good friends. So it was also just a lot of that and not, not that I wasn't happy and excited, but you know, it's kind of tough to see that. And then in your own journey, feel like what the F is going on. Why? Um, yeah it's it's tough so um we decided to kind of just give in um and so like i said in january of last year we went to an ivf clinic and they pretty much redid all of our testing again um just to make sure like everything was quote unquote normal um and that's when we found out that my husband um has pretty much zero percent mobility which means or sorry morphology which means that the um the shape of the sperm don't the the way that the shape of the sperm are they don't penetrate the egg and so um it was really really disheartening to hear that um because all the testing we had done prior to that everything was like normal totally fine so we're like where is this coming from um and i at first it was anger because i was like you know, why would all of our doctors tell us everything is normal for so long? And then now we hear this. So that, that was that, I think that was like the hardest part to swallow. Um, and I had known some friends who had gone through IUI, um, Mm -hmm. and what asked her, the doctor at the time, if that was even a possibility. Right. Um, but the chances are so little, um, because of the shape of the sperm, IUI still has to, with IUI, you still have to have um, the sperm go into the egg to right. create an embryo. And so it, it, with IUI, it's a little bit different because with IVF, it's in a Petri dish. Like everything is done science-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really take like nature's course, whereas IVI does. So um, we pretty much decided, you know, we could go the IUI route, um, but didn't really want to take the risk, nor did we want to pay the money. Um, so we just kind of jumped right into IVF. Um, and that was a tough decision. Um, it was also really, it still is, um, a financial burden for us because it's so incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, and as some of your listeners probably have gone through this journey, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing's covered by insurance, um, which is BS part of my language, but it's just, it's crazy. Oh, use the language, you know, yeah, it's a It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely bullshit. Um, and so we had to pretty much come up with 
about $30,000 um, on our own um, to, you know, fund IVF. And thank God for people like you and all of our friends and all our family that really helped like at least meet half of that for us. So we were only coming up with like 15K, which is still, I mean, obviously a huge chunk of money. Um, but it was, it was a help to have the support from everybody around us. Yeah. Um, so once we were able to get the funding, we then had to go through the IVF process. And for those who don't know, it's essentially, um, I <laughs> have to get a ton of shots, um, a shit ton of medicine, um, for, a, you know, an extended period of time. Um, and then they pretty much retract your eggs. So it's within, I would say, I think I was on the medication for, about three weeks, I want to say. Um, and then, you know, they, they check you like, I don't know, I think it was twice a week. I would have blood work done. Right. Um, kind of get a sense of like where I was at with numbers and things like that. Um, and then they schedule you for, you know, the retrieval process. And so that's pretty intense. Um, you do have to go under anesthesia for it. Um, and you know, at the time, obviously, cause we were during COVID, um, my husband couldn't be part of any of it. So that was also really tough. Um, anyone who's pregnant now or who has been pregnant in 2020 um, can understand how tough it is in general to be pregnant, but then to have COVID on top of it, it's like you have you have no support around you physically um, yeah. because they just can't be part of anything. So that, it just sucks. Um, so we went through the retrieval process. It was actually on my husband's birthday, which is pretty ironic, um, which was March 22nd of last year, 2020. I remember. And, it's like, yeah. it's so crazy. And like, I love like listening to you talk about it because I mean, I'm not like your journey obviously was like different than what you expected, but like, I just remember you like texting all of us and like sending us pictures and now it's so crazy cause she's here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had that realization, I think, the other day, too. I was like, holy crap. And the funny thing is, she was born on the 7th of January of 2021. And we started, the, I, like, we went into our first consultation on January 6th of 2020. Yeah. So it was literally, like, a full year circle. So it's just, it's crazy how things work that way. And yeah. I'm beyond grateful that it worked the first time. Um, because oh there's gosh. so many people out there that go through rounds and rounds and rounds. And I, I, I don't know how they do it. One round was enough emotionally, yeah. um, to like want to give up. So I'll be ungrateful for that. But, um, yeah, so we went in for the retrieval on the 22nd of March and I remember waking up from the anesthesia and being like, what the hell just happened to me? Like everything hurts. It feels like really, really bad, bad cramping. Just like um, a lot of pressure. Yeah, lots okay. of pressure. And um, yeah, it just feels like your cramps, but like times a thousand. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's not fun. And you're, you know, you're like out of it. You just came out of anesthesia. Yeah. So you're like, what's going on, you know? Um, and I remember the nurse coming into me with this piece of paper, this white, like regular piece of paper and the number 22 on it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, like. I don't know what that number means. And she's like, we got 22 eggs. Aww. And so I remember thinking, oh my God, it's my husband's birthday. It's the 22nd of March and we got 22 eggs. Like it was just, it was like God, you know, Hello. like his way of, <laughs> yeah, like saying like, it's going to be okay, you know? Um, and 22 eggs is a good amount um, for most people. You know, some people get like two, some people get 
I mean, I know a person who had 50, so it's like, it, it totally ranges. Yeah. Um, but 22, I was pretty, I was very happy with it. Um, so then from there, they pretty much, and every, every clinic is different. So I can't speak on all clinics or all IVF journeys, but, um, my clinic does a seven day, like frozen, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, they pretty much test the, the eggs for seven days, um, to make sure that they turned into embryos. So, um, some clinics do like three days, some clinics do five days. It just depends. Um, so my clinic does did seven days. And so by um, the seventh day, they then called me um, and pretty much gave me the news that we had 11 fertilized eggs um, and six that made it to day seven, which means that out of the 22, 11 were able to be fertilized with um, my husband's sperm. And then seven, sorry, six made it to um, quote unquote day seven, meaning that they're like, alive and they're great and they're good to go and they're they can swimming be swimming around <laughs> yeah exactly they're swimming around they're having a great time in that petri dish <laughs> so um so that was good news i was actually happy to hear that we had that many that made it to fertilization and then you know then made it to day seven so um at that point there's a lot more testing that can be done or can't be done depending on what you want to do mm-hmm. um we decided that we wanted to have four of the six embryos tested and they pretty much look at everything. <laughs> they make sure that the embryo has a number, the same, you know, the right amount of chromosomes, um, that it's not going to have Down syndrome, that you know it has pretty much everything that a chromosome needs to have or embryo needs to have, mm-hmm. um, that it's quote unquote normal. Okay. And so it's again another fee. It's extremely say. expensive. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly how much we paid for the four embryos, but I want to say it was like. I think it was like an additional $600 just to have them tested. Um, so, you know, it, it, everything adds up. Um, so we could have had all six, but it would have been more money. And so we just decided to go with the four. Um, and they all came back normal, which was great. So there wasn't any abnormalities. I know I was like, party, let's, let's have a party. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really great news. Um, so then, it was pretty much time to go through the transfer. Um, and so I had the transfer on, I don't even know the date. I should probably know that, but April something, (laughs) April 23rd, I think was the transfer. Um, and we didn't know the sex. So we, even with the testing, they can tell you what the sex is, but we decided to wait because I was the type of person that I'm like, I don't want to know the sex. And then we lose this baby. Um, Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, it's baby girl, it's baby girl. And then we lose it. And then you're like, oh my God, I just lost my baby girl. So we decided to wait um, until later on to make sure that it actually stuck. Yeah. Um, So they go through the transfer and then they tell you about five days later. And I actually lied to everybody, including you. (laughs) Um, I told everyone it was like two weeks later. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. <laughs> we had actually found out within like five days that we were pregnant. So um, it was pretty, pretty fun to actually know and I was not gonna tell say. anyone for like a week. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like you shouldn't feel bad like lying because it's like you guys like deserve that time to just like know and celebrate and like cherish those moments together, you know, before you tell yeah. people. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Um, so 
we found out we were pregnant and then um we told our parents on mother's day which was a week later so that was pretty exciting yeah um and honestly throughout the whole pregnancy i think everything went relatively well i want to say um week i think it was week six um i started bleeding and so i thought i was having obviously a miscarriage as most people would think um but it's a sub chronionic hemorrhage um or sorry hematoma um which is essentially like a cyst that grows in your uterus um it's very very common in ivf but they don't ever tell you that which kills me um yeah of course your first reaction is like i'm miscarrying so it's kind of crazy that they never said that but um i went into the doctors the next day it was on a sunday that this started happening and i it was like really bad cramping and it was bleeding and it wouldn't stop and so i was like oh my god it's over this is awful um and i already told like a lot of people at that point i told you guys i told my family so it was like i can't can't even imagine this would happen um but thankfully when i went into the doctor the next day that's what she told me it was and you know, embryo looked fine and everything was good. And I heard the heartbeat. So that was like the biggest, oh my God moment, I think throughout the whole pregnancy. Well, I remember you texted us, didn't you? Or was that a separate time? I'm pretty sure you texted, I'm pretty sure you texted us and you were like, is this normal? And we were like, sometimes people bleed, but like, obviously like go see your doctor and check in. But like, I just was like, I remember praying. I was like, please, like, just have everything be okay because you guys had already gone through so much. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really scary. And I wasn't even home when it happened either. I was at my grandma's house. So it was like, I had to call Jose and be like, oh, my God, babe, I'm bleeding. He's like, what the heck? Like, you know, you go into complete panic mode because you don't – you think the worst. You automatically think the worst. Yeah. I think that's just, like – that's just kind of where our brain goes. Right. Um. So, yeah, so thankfully everything was okay. Um, and then pretty much throughout the rest of the pregnancy, everything was fine. Um, I didn't really have any complications, thank God. Um, and then we did our big, like, reveal and for the, for the July weekend, we found out it was a girl. So that was like, really exciting, even though we all thought it was a boy. <laughs> so it's it was so, like, what the heck? <laughs> it was so funny because didn't all three of us think that we were having boys? I don't yes, know. I think, so. I think I think Megan thought so too. I just remember like I was so convinced that Lulu was a boy, and then I'm pretty sure Megan did too, or maybe like I, she thought that it was a boy, and then other more people thought it was a girl. But and then I was I was so convinced you were having a boy, and so yeah, and so yeah. Tell everybody what you guys did for your for your reveal because it was cute. Yeah, so we, um, it was 4th of July weekend, which also happens to be my birthday, and I'm, like, a sucker for, for, um, fireworks. I just, like, love them. I don't know why. I guess it's just because that's right around my birthday. And they're beautiful. Um, yeah, and, right, exactly, and they're fun, (laughs) (laughs) so why not? (laughs) Um, so we bought, we went all the way up to Pennsylvania, because fireworks are illegal in Jersey, (laughs) and we, (laughs) we bought, um, like, the gender reveal, fireworks pretty much so we pretty much gave this piece of paper to a random sales guy who we didn't even know and we were like here you go here's the gender like don't tell us <laughs> it was so awkward just, just like okay fireworks. Like, yeah it was it was really weird um so yeah so then we pretty much went home and um i think i don't know if it was on the fourth we did it i don't even remember what day we did the gender reveal was it on the fourth pretty positive like, it was right on the fourth 
Yeah, or I don't know. <laughs> I should know, but I don't. Um, it was one of those days. And um, so we had, and the funny part too is we had two of them. Like, so one, I could light one, Jose and my husband could light the other one because right. I just thought it would be fun if we both lit our own. And so then everyone thought we were having twins. <laughs> like, no, no. Like, there's two because we both want to light them. It's not that we're having twins and I would like die if I was. Um, so, yeah, so then we lit them, and everyone was on Zoom. We had, like, you know, a Zoom, because it was COVID. Right. So we had a Zoom thing, and, um, yeah, and then it ended up being sparkling. and ended up being a girl. And the funny part is, I, looking back at the Zoom call, you can't really see the firework very well. So, like, my husband and I are like, oh, my God. Everyone's like, what color is it? They're, like, screaming into the camera. I remember that so distinctly. I, I was, like putting my eyes as close to the screen as possible. I was like, I was like, is that pink? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and then that was pretty funny. And then you were like, we're having a girl. And everybody, I remember just crying because I was just so excited because we were like, girl gang, girl gang, more yes. girl babies. Seriously. I know. That's the first thing I thought when we were having girls. I was like, oh my God, so many girls. So <laughs> we're all going to be besties. Yes. Um, so that was really, really fun. And it, that, I think that's when it started to really start to sink in a little bit that I was actually pregnant. I think I was 13 weeks at that point or 12 weeks. So I just hit like the second trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was really exciting. And it was so it felt like such a relief to be able to share it with everyone we knew, like yeah. all everyone that we love and and care about. Um, and it just the whole IVF journey is probably I mean, I read a quote the other day somewhere that someone said, <laughs> anyone who's gone through IVF should put on their resume. Like, you know, you always get like those questions on resumes that say, um, like, what's the hardest thing you've ever done? Yeah. And this one person was like, IVF. Like, that's the hardest thing I've ever experienced. And I can completely agree because it's a lot mentally, it's a lot physically. Um, it's just a lot in general. And emotionally. It's a lot to, yes. Totally emotionally. You don't know. You have zero control. Not that you have control over your pregnancy in general. You don't. Um, but IVF is a total. It's it's a to, it's a totally different sense of a lack of control because you really don't have any control. Yeah. Um, whatsoever, and and everything is so time sensitive, and everything is based on blood work, and you're constantly getting pricked and prodded and. You know, I mean, the amount of shots I had in my butt and my stomach and, like, the amount of drugs you have to take. And, you know, as you know, I'm not someone who likes to take drugs. I'm not, I've never really been like that. You know, I'm more of kind of on the same realm of you. Like, if I have a headache, let's not pop pills. Let's right, more holistic. try something else. Um, so to have to be told to take, like, you know, a thousand shots a day and all these drugs, it just... It's so against what I want to do, but I know it was for, it's, it's what we have to do. Right. You know, that, that was the way that we needed to conceive. Um, so it was, it's a big adjustment, especially emotionally more than anything else. And I think all of you guys, and I think I, I would say the biggest thing that I would recommend to people who are going through IVF or even IUI or anything that has to do with conceiving is find support groups. Yeah. Uh, that is huge, and I can't tell you how many IVF groups on Facebook I'm in. It's a, at this point, it's a little overwhelming, but it is the most they, – they, they got me through it. And I don't even know who half these people are. 
I could not tell you any. I, they were from all over the world, you know. Um, but to feel like you're part of something else that's so much bigger than yeah. you is such a blessing. I remember I remember we were talking about that and you were sharing that you were part of the groups, all these different groups, and you had people who could, like, really, really understand it. And I think that I'm glad that you're sharing that with everybody because, like, things can feel so isolating in general. And then when it comes to like you talking to me about it, like I haven't experienced that. So I can listen and I can be there, but like there are certain things that like I'm just not going to like fully grasp to that degree, you know? And so I was really, really glad that you had found those groups and had these women that you could talk to that could like you could talk to about your shots or like how bad it felt taking the specific medication, you know, it's just like there's a difference between like your best friends who can listen and then people who like really, really, really truly get it. Yeah, absolutely. And looking back now, you know, there's so many women who are still, you know, still going through this IVF journey and to be able to, you know, tell them my journey and to share what I went through. Like there's so many questions on there. Like, What's the best way to take a PIO shot, which is a progesterone and oil shot that you have to take in your butt, you know, it goes right in your butt and if it, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts. It's a long needle and it doesn't feel good. And, you know, all these women are like, well, what'll make it feel better? Like, what should I do? And it's so good to now looking back, be able to like, okay, you can put ice on it or you could put heat on it after you take yeah. the shot. Like it's little things like that, that I think really help people get through the day to day because you wake up every morning and you're like, I have to do this all over again. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm still not pregnant. I still have to take 10 more shots today. I have to take all these other meds and I feel like crap, you know, and it's so hard to push through that knowing that there could be a baby at the end of it, but it doesn't, it, every day you wake up and you just feel like you've taken 10 steps back. Yeah. You don't feel any closer. Um, so I'm so thankful for those groups and there's a certain group, there's three women um, that all went through the process at the exact same time. So we were all due the same. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we were all due the same week in January, um, which was really cool because out of like, I don't even know how many people are in those IVF groups, like hundreds of thousands of women, um, to be able to find three other women that went through it at the exact same time was really cool. Um, so I literally feel like they're like my sisters, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, okay, so how are you feeling this week? And now even after our babies are here, now we're talking about breastfeeding and like sleep, sleep, you know, deprivation and all kinds of stuff. So it's so cool to have like that tight, tight knit group of women that literally are going through it step by step and it's all their first too yeah so we're all in the same boat like trying to figure it out all together (laughs) trying Um, to figure it all out (laughs) yeah figure it all out so um yeah so that was kind of my my journey in IVF and you know how we kind of got through it and you know we have to do it again (laughs) you know we want another kid and so we kind of have to start this process all over again and I mean, granted, a majority of it is done, yeah. but there's still, I still have to get shots. I still have to, you know, pretty much get my uterus ready. So do you think, um, well, in hearing you say that, like, do you think you guys, like, would it be possible for you to try naturally or there's just like no chance? Like you just have to do it because of what would, what did you call it? The morphology of his sperm? Like, yeah, you just morphology. Have, yeah. Okay. Um, we certainly could, you know, try naturally. It's just, 
the chances because his the the percentage of his sperm that are quote I hate saying normal because nothing is normal right but quote unquote normal versus the ones that have morphology issues I think it was only like nine percent are okay. normal okay so it's a very 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 small percentage so it was like I mean, I jokingly, when we first found out about this, I was like, we would literally have to have sex, like, five times a day, every day, in order for, like, that one sperm that's normal to, like, hopefully (laughs) inseminate my eggs. (laughs) So, like, uh, I love you, but not that much. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to, like, kill my, uh, my lady parts down there for all that. So, yeah, it's certainly possible, but it would, I think it would take a lot yeah. It would just be a lot for us to, to go through that, you know? I just didn't know if, like, the percentage, like, if that was something that you guys talked about or not. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was a higher percentage, I totally would. Yeah. But because the percentage was so low, it just, it was like, oh, my God, we could be trying for five more years. Right. Uh, which is obviously not what we wanted to do since we've been trying for, like, four, four three and a half. Um, so... So then going into pretty much my, my birth experience, um, I, I come from a, a, pretty much, I was a big child, big baby. And so was my husband. Um, we were both, I think I was eight, 10 and he was like nine, two. So we were both really big kids. Mm-hmm. And so obviously genetically I knew I was going to have a big baby. Um, I gained a lot of weight <laughs> during pregnancy, um, which didn't really help the situation of having a big baby. But um, I had towards the end of my pregnancy, the baby hadn't dropped at all. Um, she wasn't dropping into my my canal, my birth canal. Um, and they were measuring her at 10 pounds. So mm-hmm. obviously when anyone hears a 10 pound baby, they're like, get this thing out of me. <laughs> like, why is it so large? Um, and so at first I was super excited to have a big baby cause I kind of thought I don't really want a tiny little thing. <laughs> um, and I knew that I was big baby. So I kind of just assumed we were going to have one. Right. Um, but when the doctor said 10 pounds and that the, you know, I still hadn't dropped into or she still hadn't dropped into the birth canal, I was starting to get a little concerned about timing um, because I was scared that I didn't want to go very much further past my due date and then her even get even bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I did want a natural birth. I did want, you know, deliver vaginally and pretty much do it drug-free, as much drug-free as I possibly could. Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately, because my gyno is not like my normal gyno, he was a kind of a step-in gyno for my regular gyno. So my regular gyno was no longer doing births, essentially. And so oh, this yeah. gyno was was just doing births. Um, my gyno is kind of on the way of retiring and kind of just doing like normal day-to-day practice, but mm-hmm. not doing births anymore. So the gyno who was doing the birth, I obviously never really dealt with before um kind of didn't really have the best relationship with him and so like any gyno I feel like they're they're more of people to just get you in get you out so wait you're OB you mean because you're saying gyno so do you like categorize that in this like the same thing yeah 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 sorry sorry yeah no no it's okay considering the same thing okay Yeah. yeah so my yeah so my OB right okay um so the 
delivering Obi Gaino, um, he, because of the size of her, quote, supposedly the size of her, Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that she wasn't dropping into my birth canal, he wanted to do a C-section. And so I thought about it um, for like two or three days and um, not even, it was more like a day (laughs) because it was on a Monday and my due date was on a Wednesday and he wanted to take me in on a Thursday. So this all happened within like two days. Right. Um, so it was, it was all kind of shocking and alarming. And I think so much now looking back on it, I so wish that I had just listened to my body, mm-hmm. um, and just let her come naturally because I yeah. think that she could have, um, even if she was a big baby and she, I mean, she was big, she was eight thirteen. Mm-hmm when she was born, but she wasn't a 10 pounder. <laughs> she right. wasn't even close. So I think I definitely could have delivered vaginally. So um, your, your estimated due date was January 9th. Was that what it was? January 6th. The 6th. Was my, yeah, it was my estimated due date. And I had her on January 7th. Right. But the section. Right. So I ended up going forward with the C-section. I think a majority, and to any woman who knows who's, had a baby and gone through birth that last week feels like five years (laughs) and you're like just get this child out of me um and I think that's what was really triggering my my move to have a c-section because I was I was very much over it um I was uncomfortable I wasn't sleeping as most women know yeah and I was I was getting concerned about her size I really was and of course it's it's a guesstimate but I was I was really starting to get a little worried that she was going to be like huge. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to come out of me. So <laughs> maybe a C-section's the way to go. Um, and I regret it. I, I definitely regret it, which sucks. Um, really wish I hadn't done that and kind of just let my body do its thing and let her come. And if it meant induction, then I, was okay with that, um, more so okay with that than having a C-section. So, so do you to note? Sorry, why do you? No, I just want to hear why. I'm just curious. I think because I, I think the biggest thing, and you know this because you know me, but obviously the the complications I had post birth is mm-hmm. part of it, but also. Um, there's and maybe it's just me, but I felt like there was a disconnect. Okay. With the actual delivery. Like, I felt like I, you just, you can't feel anything in a C-section. Obviously, you're completely numb. And so, not that you're not numb with an epidural, if that's the way you go. But there's just a disconnect with not pushing and not, like, going through that motion of, like, pushing a child out of you. Mm -hmm. Um, It's literally, like, you're cut open and they're like, oh, the baby's here and all you hear is screaming. And then you see her because they lift her above a curtain. And you're like wait, what just happened? You know, there's, there's just a disconnect. And I think that that I wanted that. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I missed that. So sorry. Oh, babe. I'm sorry. Getting emotional. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the biggest reason that, you know, I wanted a vaginal birth and it was something I so have badly like prayed for and wished for and um I just wanted yeah so it was certainly tough to not be able to do that and that's certainly something I regret 
So for anyone out there that's like, you know, on the verge um, and is being pushed to have a C-section, definitely, you know, think, think long and hard about it. Yeah. And make sure it's like the right thing for you. Um, I get if it's a medical thing or if there's, you know, an emergency C-section, that's completely out of your hands. But I think if you had to choose and it's not really something that you want, then don't do it. Yeah. And I think... Just let your body do its thing. Yeah. I think that, like you said, there are a lot of the time, like, if if it's not the OB you are working with, like, it can just... It can just feel different, and you can you can like feel pressured to do things, or they can the language that they use can just like scare you. It can like scare you and make you more more worried and more concerned. And especially like with what you guys had already gone through, like you you were worried, you know, like it's your it's your first baby. You guys had to go through IVF to conceive her. And then if they're telling you that like she's this huge baby, and you're just like you just worry. And so, I mean, it's, I'm sorry that, that you feel that way. And it makes me sad that you do, because I don't want you to feel that way. Um, And I just hope, and I hope that like more OBs and people who work with moms can like take into consideration or like have trainings done on like making, like not bullying people or making them feel pressured into things and like making sure that they know what all their options are. Like what happens if we just wait, you know? Um, cause I hate like not being able to like hug you right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Virtual hugs. Yeah. Um, Go a long way. <laughs> yeah. And I think also like what you were saying too, like listening to your gut and like tuning into that, that instinct. But I think that also really, really comes with motherhood. Like it comes like, yeah, like we may spend so much of our life like not listening to our gut and like it's okay and then like you have your baby and you're just like it's like if you don't listen to your gut like everything goes wrong yeah totally which is totally yeah um but would you like to share like a little bit about like motherhood and like new like taking care of a newborn and being new parents yeah. like there's so much that go have gone has gone into your journey like I just would love to hear more about it for you guys yeah um so I've only been a mother for like a month it's actually six weeks in a day from being exact six weeks in a day uh, yeah so I can't say much I'm certainly not a pro like you um but it's definitely a learning experience for sure I think the biggest thing and and for those people who have had c-sections know it's not only um and not not to downplay a vaginal birth that's not what I'm doing by any means but there's there's certainly a longer and more intense recovery when you have a c-section um you literally can't do much (laughs) so you really have to rely on your partner yeah, a lot more than you would so um, from a vaginal birth. So, you know, it's, I was in the hospital um, an extra day. I had um, post-birth, I pretty much, um, I lost about two and a half liters of blood. Um, I hemorrhaged really, yeah, really badly. Um, it was fine for both my husband, myself, my doula who was there, um, and uh, again, you don't know what's going on because you can't feel anything. Right. So I just hear doctors like rushing into my room and are telling me all this stuff and shooting me up with all these drugs to try and stop the bleeding. And I'm just like completely numb. No, no clue what's going on. 
So that's beside the fact, but I pretty much had to stay in the hospital an extra day for them to, to monitor me. I had to have two blood transfusions post birth, um, because my levels were obviously so low cause I lost so much blood, um, which also kind of ripple effect into, um, breastfeeding because, right. because my iron levels were so low, I had a very, very hard time um, producing milk and you have even a harder time. I mean, you, you know better than me, but you have an even harder time producing milk when you have a C-section mm-hmm. versus a vaginal birth because your body's not going through the same, excuse me, the same, um, delivery as you would with a C-section. So, right. um, you know, my, it, it, it just didn't come in. My milk wouldn't come in. My colostrum took a really long time to come in. I think it was the last day that I was in the hospital that my colostrum finally came in. And so it was really tough for me to feed her. Mm-hmm. And that causes, as any woman knows, as any mom knows, that causes a whole different feeling of emotions. You feel like a complete failure. Um, and your body is just going, you know, your body just went through hell and back <laughs> pretty much to bring this baby here and then to not feel like you can do anything to help her or to feed her or she's crying and you don't know, you just can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And so that was really, really tough. Um, and just the hormones in general are all hormones, all, all, all over the place. Um, and for someone as myself who has struggled with depression her whole life, um, you know, PPD was certainly something that I was scared of. I was really scared. I was going to have postpartum and I, even before birth, like even before being pregnant, I was always something I was nervous about. Um, and I certainly have had it, you know, I've had really great days and I've had really, really shitty days. As you know, I'm, I'm texting you and I'm like, I can't do this. Um, but you can, you know, every woman can, you'll get through it. It's just, you gotta, like you just said, you have to listen to your gut. Yeah. Your gut knows, um, it knows so much more than you know. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. And I think part of it too, like what you were talking about is like one thing that I've been so concerned about since like last March was literally like the support, like the lack of support that new moms and new parents have. And it's just like not being able to be there, you know? And like you were talking about like Jose wasn't able to come into certain appointments with you like I've just been so so worried about that and then even more so like now after now that she's here you know it's just it's different it's not the same and so I think like you said like making sure that you have people who you can like text and be like I am having a horrible day I feel like nothing's going right and like it is part of motherhood but it's just also like you want to make sure that you still have that support to the extent that we can have it right now right Absolutely. And we were just talking about the other day when we were, you know, zooming each other that the fourth trimester is probably the hardest, Mm -hmm. I think, personally. Um, And some moms may think the third trimester or the first trimester. I don't know. But I think the fourth trimester, once the baby is here, is the hardest. You're adjusting to your hormones. You're adjusting to your new body. You're adjusting to having a baby. You're adjusting to having zero sleep. You're adjusting to trying to feed this child and, and have this child thrive. And you don't know what the F you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest trimester of all. And it's, it's the least talked about one. Yeah. And like you were saying too, like 
there are certain things that like they don't tell you in the IVF journey. And now it's like with motherhood, it's just like, I don't know why there's like people have to like, not people have to like people. I feel like people are like ashamed to talk about these things. Like they're ashamed to talk about if you have postpartum anxiety, you're ashamed to talk about if you have postpartum depression or postpartum rage, or like you just feel like you're freaking failing, you know, like the fourth trimester is so important. And I think they're like more conversations are being opened up about them, about it, excuse me. But it definitely is something that we need to talk about more because like there are moms who are like silently suffering and feel like that's just yeah. like they just have to because that's just what moms do and moms have to be superheroes. And that's just, I mean, it's just we need more support, you know? Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. Hands down. And I think even more so now with COVID. Yeah. You know, because you don't have that face to face interaction. And yeah, Zoom is great. It's wonderful. But like, I can't hug someone. I can't like touch someone, you know, and we need that interaction. Mm -hmm. You need that physical interaction. And I feel like kind of even more so as a mom, because you're constantly, you constantly have your baby on you. Yeah. (laughs) Like all the time. And it's kind of nice to put her down or put him down and say, I just want to hug from my best friend, or I just want to hug from my husband. That's like not my child. And it's out, they may sound really effed up, but it's so true because you, you, you want like an interaction that feels like it's being reciprocated and I, and a baby can't really do that. Yeah. You know, it's a different kind of interaction with them. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. I think now more than ever, but just in general, there need to be more women support groups out there. Yeah. Um, whether it's virtually or in person, because it's, it's something we all need. Yeah. And, and I think there's too many people struggling with it. Yeah. And I think also too, like there, like some people aren't like huggers, but like you and I are huggers. And so like oh, yeah. not having the hugger is just like, we see each other and we cry for like 10 minutes because we're just like holding yeah. each other. <laughs> um, but we yeah. cry for 10 minutes when we see each other and then we cry for like 20 minutes when we're leaving each other. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, no, can we just hug for like five years? Because we just, we just need it, you know? But yeah. I, I definitely agree. And I think that like, I'm really thankful that you were so willing to come on the podcast and like talk about your experience and be so open with it because this, like one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was so like people would talk about things that not everybody talks about and realize that like, you're not the only one going through it, even though there will be times where you feel like you're the only one going through it. Like just knowing that somebody else has gone through something similar and like shared their story and like, I've had a lot of people tell me that like sharing their story is like therapeutic for them, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's part of processing it all. And, um, yeah, I just think it's, I'm thankful for you for coming on and talking and being so open and, and vulnerable because I know it's not easy to talk about. Yeah, no. And I'm happy I'm able to share my journey with other women who are out there because I know there are so many women out there who might be scared to tell you know, tell someone else that they're going through IVF or that they're going through IUI or that they can't get pregnant. I mean, it's, that's a very sensitive topic and it's, and it's never discussed. And so many people say, Oh, you get married, you buy a house, you have a kid. And it's like, Oh, back up. You know, there's so many hurdles that people have to jump through along the way to get to each of those milestones, if you want to call them. Um, yeah, and I just think it's so important to share your stories. And it is therapeutic to talk about it. I mean, if you had asked me this a year ago, I'd be like, no, I'm not talking to anybody about this. This is too, it's too raw. It's 
too painful, you know? Yeah. But on the flip side, a year later, it's, like, so therapeutic to tell other people about it. Yeah. Were there, um, when you were going through the entire process or even before you went through IVF, before you guys decided, when you were, like, considering it or thinking about it, were there, like, any like specific like resources that you looked at or like books or like podcasts or anything that you listen to and you don't have to tell me now but like if you think of them we can include them in the show notes just in case like somebody was trying to who had been thinking about it and like really wanted to start really looking into it yeah I mean there's certainly um there's tons of I mean I can't name any like in particular but I know that there's tons of um research online that I did yeah um so much research online I did and honestly it sounds so silly but the Facebook groups and yes none of them are doctors and they're not you know I'm not going to give you all these like scientific words that mean probably nothing to you um it's but just having that support of other women who've gone through it I think personally um reading someone's story Mm -hmm. is so much more powerful to me Mm -hmm. than reading research yeah honest and I know research research is great and I'm not I'm not downplaying research in any regards like research has to be done and you have to have you know scientific backing behind everything I get that but it just touches it touches me differently yeah to hear someone's story about what they went through versus just like oh you put the sperm with the egg and you make an embryo like that's great and all but it's just not personable yeah I was I was just I was recording another episode the other night and I was talking about um one of the women that I had had on previously who also shared her her IVF journey and she was talking about how she had seen one doctor and they had tried well they tried I don't even I think I want to say they tried like six times yeah Um, I, I listened to that podcast that was really great yeah and she was talking about how like one doctor wasn't trying at like the right day so that so the embryo and everything was not I don't I can't remember the verbiage that she used but like it was not working like it wasn't yeah it wasn't coming alive it wasn't coming yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't gonna be it wasn't gonna be viable and so right. then she went she was like I'm not giving up on this like I really really want this and she went to another doctor and they tried it on an earlier day and then it worked and so yeah. I just think that like if you say you had been feeling like super down about it or say you had tried one round and it wasn't working and then you went and you read that story you know then it gives you yeah. hope you know right Exactly. And that's, it's so good to have podcasts like this or, you know, even documentaries, doesn't matter what it is, but it's just so nice to hear personable stories. Yeah. Um, personal stories because you, they're so much more relatable. Yeah. You know, for sure. Yeah. And like you said, like we were just saying, like, it just makes you feel like a less alone, you know, like you're not the only one and everyone's journey is different. And it's not to say, like, everyone's journey is the same, and that's why we need to read these things, but, like, knowing that there's so many different variables that go into them that can impact you, impact your partner, impact your baby, like, it's just, I think it's good to know that there's a range. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're wrapping up this episode and I just wanted to see if you had any, like, final words or pieces of advice to leave people with. Um. Yeah, I think my, uh, um, you know, I touched on it before, but I think my two biggest pieces of advice is um, no matter what journey you're on, however, whatever journey it is, whether it's birth or motherhood or whatever, um, 
find support, you know, find, find your, your niche of people that support you and love you and, and can be there for you because without them, it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's definitely going to be tough. Um, and the other big thing is listen to your gut, which I'm sure like everyone says that on this podcast, but, um, I think it's so true and I think it can't be said enough to be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, like, I was reflecting back on when you said that you wanted to say, like, listening to your gut and, like, the importance of it. And I don't really know, like, if a ton of people have said that. I think I've said it a lot, but I don't know, like, if in general. I know there's, like, the mama instincts, like, the mama intuition. But I don't really know if people, like, really, really talk about, like, how strong that is and, like, how much you really, really feel that as a mom. Like, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, yeah, you definitely, I definitely feel it more so as a mom now, now that I'm a mom, duh, um, (laughs) more so than I think when I wasn't a mom, but you, your gut is so strong. I mean, it is, it, I can't say it enough. It is you to your core. You have to listen to it more than anything else because what you want to do and what you think you want to do are maybe two different things. Yeah. You know, like you have to listen to your gut because it's telling you exactly what what it is that you have to do. Yeah. And like we were talking about the other day about other stuff, you know, you listen to your gut and, you know, you're in a great place. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's the same thing with motherhood. It's the same thing with anything in life. Like you listen to your gut and you're going to be in a better place. Yeah. I so agree. I so, so agree. Do you mind sharing where people can find you if they wanted to reach out, if they had been, if they've been going through something similar or if they were just looking for some words of encouragement or other advice that they didn't want to talk about in like a public setting? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, you can, I'm always available via email. Um, Email is kbarnes. 7690 at gmail.com. Barnes with an E, not a like not like a barn, like a farm barn. <laughs> I'll include it in the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm also on Instagram. Um, it's K underscore giggles. <laughs> you guys came up with that one, I think. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, those are be probably the two best places to reach me. I'm also on um, Facebook. My name is Kelsey Santiago is my married name. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm available pretty much on all those platforms, and I'm always happy to have people reach out to me. You can also put my number on there, Liv, if you want, because I just think it's important to have that support. Yeah. So well, thank you so sure. so much for coming on and thank you. for oh. for talking about all of every piece of your journey and just being so open and honest and raw and vulnerable and emotional and all the things. I yeah, love- thank you for having me, and thank you to all the listeners. It's yeah. great to have people on here and share everyone's stories. Yeah. Well, I love you so much. I love you too. And I love <laughs> – oh, wait. You didn't tell everybody – did you tell everybody her name? I don't know if you mentioned her name. Oh, no. I, I've always been referring to her as her. Her name is Maya, and her middle name is Hope. Maya Um, Because Hope is what got us through IVF, and her last name was obviously Santiago. Actually um, – And little tidbit – yeah. No, I was. Ahead. I meant to ask you this earlier in the podcast, so I'm glad I circled back. But can you tell me, did you guys know that you wanted to name her Maya from the beginning? No, we had a different name for her okay. for like a really long time, and then we changed it. Okay. Because I and then I I feel like I was saying it so much that I actually started hating it. <laughs> I don't know if that ever happens. Like if you say a name so much that you're like, ew, I actually don't like that name at all. Yeah. No, so we had a different name. And a funny tidbit, which I realized almost 
like right before she was born is that her initials are MHS and that's where we went to high school Montclair high school Aww. and that's where we met so that's... it's kind of like a, it's so like stupid no <laughs> but I think it's really funny that her initials are actually where we met no it's cute <laughs> so. yeah I remember like because I never I never like push people to figure out baby names because like if you want to keep it a secret you keep it a secret but I was curious if you guys had something else picked so but yeah, and Maya's, <laughs> Maya's here, and she's perfect, and she's cute, and I love her name, and I love you. <laughs> I love you, too. <laughs> well, thank you guys so, so much for listening this week, and as always, if you have any questions for me, if you have any questions for Kelsey, please feel free to reach out. Like Kelsey mentioned, I'll be sharing her email address and all of her information in the show notes so you guys can reach out that way. But thank you so much for listening. If you feel like this was an episode that aligns with you or would help somebody that you know please 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 share it take a screenshot share it on instagram share it in an email whatever but we so appreciate you guys taking the time to listen we hope you have a good night we'll talk to you next week bye